join me in prayer? Return to God with all your heart, the source of grace and mercy. Come seek the tender faithfulness of God. Friday evening, I was joined on Zoom by my colleagues from the Presbyterian School of Christian Education. There were six of us together on Zoom that evening. We do that every other week and have a wonderful time laughing and telling stories and catching up with one another and solving all the problems of the world. But we like to think that if we ran the world, some of those things would be solved And sometimes there's a depth of a question. One among us told us of a Bible study sort of group that they've had during Lent in her church. It's an adult study and mostly older adults. And this rather newish member of the church who is definitely an adult and definitely my age or a little older, but I'm not going to call her an older adult. Thank you very much. But she, in the midst of the conversation, which was about how we come to faith, she told her conversion story. And it wasn't just a conversion story, it was multiple conversion stories. And Beverly said, I just don't understand. I I was raised in the church. My father was an elder many times during my childhood and youth. My mother played piano for the Sunday school classes. She was a deacon. We were always at church and always felt at home at church. I just don't understand. We all sort of nodded. And I said, well, you know, that's what Horace Bushnell, a great Christian educator from centuries ago, That's what he said. He said a child should grow up knowing they are a Christian and never know a time when they are not. Hmm. That sounds like many of us. And true enough, there was a moment of silence then after that as we all kind of nodded and said, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I spoke up again. I spoke up again and I told them about my experience, as I've told some of you, the summer after my sophomore year in high school, six months after my father had died. The church had a weekend conference for youth. 
And they went through, and I swear they sent something to everybody that had ever participated in the life of the church for the last decade. Because in some ways that was the last time I had participated as a child in the carol choir. But I got this information and I thought it sounded interesting. And so a high school friend of mine and I went. And as I've said... When I was there, I heard the speaker talk about the love of God in a way I had never heard before. And I knew that was what I needed to follow. I needed to know more about this God of abundant love. And that's when faith became real for me. And that was my conversion experience. I don't know that any of them in the Zoom room knew that story, which is kind of odd. But then one by one, each began to tell a story about when it clicked for them. When faith became real for them, when they recognized the presence of God and Christ and that blessed Holy Spirit that sometimes whacks us up the backside with a two-by-four. And each one of us realized when God's Spirit was with us. True, for some in that group it was when they were an infant in arms and were baptized. And I will tell you, God's Spirit was with me in a different sort of way when at 21 years old and contemplating going to seminary and being a minister, I was finally baptized. God's Spirit descended on me and I heard the voice of God in a different sort of way. We all realized, whether we said it or not, that these were the times in our lives when we actually felt God's writing upon our hearts. Experienced God's writing on our hearts. Know God, know the Lord. That's what Jeremiah says to the people. And I look back and think, yes, God knew me, that messy adolescent who was so confused and so mired in grief and so much trying to be that person who had everything in control. That was the day that the book of my heart truly was opened and God began to write on it. I didn't know it then, but I know now that that's a covenant. That is a covenant that God makes with us, written deep within our hearts. God says, I will write myself into your heart. And I will forgive your sin 
and remember it no more. Truth be told, most of us have a conversion experience of some sort in our lives. We may not have looked at it in such a way to identify it as such, and and rarely is it as dramatic as the road to Damascus and Saul becoming Paul. And truly, most most of us don't spend the time just considering and looking back to see those moments. But that moment or those moments in our lives when it all makes sense, when you see God and see the world through God's eyes, when Christ is made known to you in the breaking of the bread and the the sharing of the cup, we become the caretakers of that great covenant that Jeremiah shares with the people. God comes to us, God is with us. In Christ, God is with us. Emmanuel, that's what the word means. And that, my friends, is what? That is who the Greeks want to know. The word Greeks there in John's gospel does not necessarily mean people from Greece. It's kind of a catch-all phrase, and the scholars are all over the place about what it means. Some would say it's from Hellenistic Greece. Some would say they are anybody outside of the realm of the Jews. Some would say they are actually Jews, but not of the area. But it probably means those who are not like us in that first, per, first century, first person sense. Those who are not like us. Those who are foreigners. Those who speak a different language. Those whose value system is different than ours. Those who have little to share with others. And those who have an embarrassing amount and don't know what to do. We wish to see Jesus. We wish to see the Jesus of hope. We wish to see the Jesus of the depth of love. We wish to see the Jesus that doesn't matter who we are, doesn't mind who we are or where we've come from or what our religion is but who loves us deeply because we are a beloved creature of God.
This week, beloved children of God were murdered. They were murdered by a young man who, as you read the reports, it will say he was having a really bad day. When really he was acting out of the stereotypes about Asians. About all Asians being sex workers. And about a million other things. And as each one of those lives fell, our story, our communal story as a people of faith, dimmed because of the years of talking about the other in ways that are not helpful. Even for a pastor at certain times to stand before a congregation. Oh, I know you're not here, but you're up there on the screen and I know you're there. Even for a pastor to utter words like that and talk about the state of our community at large was a difficult thing to do. Because after all, we in the church know everyone, don't we? Today's text moves us quickly from these Greeks who are seeking to know Jesus to Jesus saying what his life is, the rest of his life is going to be like. Jesus says, now is the hour. And we have to wonder, is the presence of the other in this story simply a sign to move us on to Jesus talking about his life right now and what is coming? Or is there something more important about these Greeks, these others, seeking out our Lord? I could leave that as a rhetorical question as I usually do because I don't want to get in trouble in the life of the church. But the reality is, yes, the presence of the Greeks in this particular text, and especially paired with the text from Jeremiah, remind us first that we are all the other, We have come from no faith, from a little faith, from a lot of faith. We have come from people who have been here a long time and from the immigrants right off the boat. And some of us, we've been here both of those times. We are the Greeks. And so are, and maybe more importantly, very much are, 
the Asian American Pacific Islanders who have come to this country for the same promise and hope that we hold as a nation. The Greeks are African Americans brought here not on their own, but by others who now seek that same hope. The Greeks are important for us because all of us are seeking Jesus. All of us are seeking that time when God writes hope and love and peace and grace and mercy and joy on our hearts. And we welcome the other. My first year at seminary was the year that the movie Places in the Heart came out. Places in the Heart is set in Texas, Jim Crow, Texas, and begins with the lynching of a young black man at the unfortunate who had the unfortunate part in the death of Sally Field's husband. And she, her character, is left trying to manage the cotton farm and has a blind boarder who comes on and hires a crew and all of these things. And there are racial overtones throughout the entire movie. And a group of us went and we sat in this movie and we mourned what it taught us until the very end. You may recall the movie ends in church. The movie ends with Sally and her son and the border and others in the church receiving communion. And the plates are passed in the pews, person to person to person. And Sally's character passes the plate to her now deceased husband, who takes of the elements and turns and passes the plate to the young black man who was lynched because he'd killed this man. And we knew, and I know, that is when God's word was written upon the hearts. Dear friends, we wish to see Jesus now and always. Amen. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God,
Let us say together what we believe using the words of the affirmation of faith. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess to the glory of God, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Let us pray for the church, our neighbors in need, and the whole world. Holy One, we pray that you would empower the church to be your beloved community on earth, to live in mutuality and tear down hierarchies that devalue some in order to benefit others. We pray to you, O God. Hear our prayer. Make us ever mindful of the sick, the homeless, the hungry, the prisoner, the lonely and isolated, that we might be agents of your love and justice to these, your children. We pray to you, O God, hear our prayer. Enable all who live and work in this region to work for the common good and for the flourishing of all your children. We pray to you, O God, hear our prayer. Support the global community as it struggles with the pandemic, delivering needed aid and vaccines for all who are in need. Give each of us courage to take responsibility for measures that protect us all. We pray to you, O God, hear our prayer. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Thank you. 
us, forgiven us, and established a covenant with us in Jesus Christ. In Christ, God has written the divine law on our hearts. May we go from here as witnesses to the covenant of peace and justice for all. Lift up the brokenhearted. Stand with the oppressed. And let everything we do be done in the love of God in Christ. Go now, dear friends, in the grace, mercy, and peace of God Almighty. Amen. Amen. Thank you.